Hey guys, thanks for joining us for another episode of Chasing Heroin. So today's episode, we recorded on Sunday and we actually had a guest scheduled who at the last minute wasn't able to record. So I had something that I could talk about, but then I also ended up talking about how I'm feeling currently right now. And it was just sort of like raw and I was in a funk last week. You know how sometimes you're just in a funk. I was in like a bad one for a few weeks and I was talking to Kim about that. And so we just kind of brought that up on Sunday and she suggested some stuff and I said, well, maybe I would try this and that. And then in the following days and the subsequent days, I did take some action that made me feel way better. So last night I recorded the last 10 minutes, which was a culmination of some things that I had tried over the next few days that really did help make me feel better. So I hope that you'll stick around and listen to the last bit of the episode, which is where I kind of get back to some solution. Also during the episode, you're going to hear me. I get a little teary eyed about something that we're talking about um, from what I was using And I thought I was going to cut it out. And I even say, I'm going to take all this out. But I decided to leave it in because sometimes I think when I listen to the episodes that it might sound easier than it was because I've got some time from it and I I tend to speak quickly and I've thought about it a lot and I've processed some things, but it's not always easy to talk about. And I never want another addict listening to the show to think like that it, it hasn't affected me. It's still challenging. So I ended up leaving it in. So when you hear me start crying and say, I'm going to take this out, but you hear it, I purposely left that in because I thought it just, you know, brings some, if nothing else, I'm always going to be authentic and honest with you guys. So, so that's that. So I hope you guys enjoy today's show and, uh, follow up. Let me know what you think. back to another episode of Chasing Heroin on this day. My name is Janine. I'm an alcoholic addict in recovery. My sobriety date is January 15th, 2015. My name's Kimberly Walker. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. And my role on the podcast is to ask Janine and our lists, not in our listeners, and our guests questions that our listeners may have and change people's perspectives on recovery and addiction. We could ask the listeners questions if they ever wanted to call. We could. Our new software is set up for call-ins. We could do that. <laughs> It'd be like a call-in show. But remember, like, I'm not, I am a therapist, but I'm not a therapist sure. for the people on the show. That's true. That's true. That's true. And sometimes I know I, uh, struggle is a hard, like a strong word for it, but I've told you, like, I had questions, but I didn't want to, like, dive into being their therapist. Right. Because that's kind of also how my mind works and how I was trained. So I want to do that, but I also don't want to do therapy on guests. Well, but I think what you can, what, what I think is great about what you do though, is that you ask, like when you weren't with me for the second half of last week's interview mm-hmm. afterwards, I was like, there was some stuff that you would have asked mm. that I didn't ask for sure. That pulls out more of the emotional life. So I see, I think what you do and what I like is you do ask questions that a therapist would ask, yeah. but you're not necessarily there to give them therapeutic advice in return, mm-hmm. but we certainly open up a discussion based on some of the things that you bring to light. Yeah. Right. Definitely. That's kind of how I see it. Yeah. So today you guys have an episode with just me, just mm-hmm. me on the couch. Also, I'm excited because we can post one of our new pictures with just me on the couch. Oh, perfect. Right. Where I'm <laughs> either holding the mic or looking up at you because those are my fave. Mm-hmm. So... I was like, ooh, I'm looking forward to having one where it's just me and her, where I can put that new picture up. What do mm-hmm. you guys think of the new podcast art pictures? I love them. I hope you guys like them. They're very good. I got pretty good feedback so far. Yeah. So 
for one, I wanted to use the picture again, but then also yesterday, all of this that I'm about to tell you guys kind of came like together in like a landslide in my brain. And what is my favorite thing to do with the podcast is obviously the stories are interesting and I always want to give people hope for the future. Mm -hmm. But I talk a lot about that time. But the reality is that not even just being in recovery, but being like a human being is a process. Yeah. Right. And, and, and that doesn't stop when we get sober, mm -hmm. right? It, like it, it, there's always growth to be had. And so we have an, I have an opportunity that I realized yesterday to use myself as an example of this kind of inaction. So this starts, I guess I'll start with the actual story though. So, and I haven't talked about this yet. I was at Choices for the second time, for the last time. Mm -hmm. I'd been there once before and I'd been gone for a year. And the whole year, funny story about Choices though, by the way, mm -hmm. I told Kim off here that I wanted to share this. So I think people think, some listeners think that Choices is like uh, Promises in Malibu, mm -hmm. like a really nice place. And it is not. <laughs> and sometimes I forget that. Yeah. That's a super rundown state funded social program funded mm -hmm. and my a friend of mine who did not want to be identified i saw last week she recently moved near where choices is and, and uh -huh. saw it and when she saw me was like is that and she described it and she was like is that the place and i was like yeah basically so they're near each other but that's the sober living and then that's the the, the rehab that's choices and she was like oh my god i thought like that's the famous choices <laughs> like what was the choice, concrete or bed bugs? And I was like, yeah, basically. And the reason I'm sharing this is because I love that I talk about it and hype it up so much because mm -hmm. you can go anywhere and get recovery. 100%. Yeah, I was not at Promises. I was it's, not. It's maybe more physically comfortable at another place, but it was what you put into it, right? And it's what you put into it. It's also, it's more that it's the people. Mm -hmm. And the people that were there, mm -hmm. the counselors and the other residents were great. Mm -hmm. I mean, some of the best moments of my life yeah. happened at like some of the hardest I've ever laughed in my entire life have been at the morning meeting at Choices because the people that went there mm -hmm. were fucking hilarious. Yeah. And the, the guy, that's where I met Rachel. Rachel was a counselor. The, I talk about two Steves all the time. Mm -hmm. One of them is from the sober living and one of them is from Choices. They're both amazing. It's, it's the people. And actually Choices was physically it wasn't nice. It yeah. wasn't luxury. We didn't have stuff. We didn't have like a gym or anything. But like, I guess they have it nicer. I never went to a nice place, but I think at nice places they have like, well, like where Skylar went, you, your your rehab includes membership at a gym oh, okay. and like all this other stuff. Well, I think too, like when you think about commercials for rehab, they seem very nice. They're like these beautiful, On the serene, beach. there's gardens. Exactly. It's like, sprawling mansions essentially so then you're thinking like oh that would be a nice place but that doesn't mean you're going to get and stay clean just because it's a nice absolutely place. absolutely absolutely yeah. and so I was actually kind of like it was funny she and I were laughing about it but I was mm -hmm. like you know what I want to share that on the show because mm -hmm. the way that I first of all I'm I'm happy to know that I represent it positively because mm -hmm. it was life-changing but also you can go anywhere and really learn mm -hmm. you know so and I know Rachel felt the same way. Yeah. So, and and, th and that matters because for the year that I was gone mm -hmm. from Choices, and I, I, I don't know how much of this we've spoken about before, but uh, Evan and I made a very conscious decision to stop trying. Yeah. To even, you had we've mentioned that. Okay. Yeah. We just were like, fuck that it. That you're like, we're not going to. Fine. Yeah. We're, 
we're done we're done trying, trying to get clean yeah we're just mm-hmm. gonna go use yep and proceeded to have the worst year of my entire life mm-hmm. when the most damaging thing happened that's when all those arrests happen all that 2013 2013 mm-hmm. yes so when I finally got back into choices, mm-hmm. I was so happy to be there. It felt like coming home. Steve was there. Like, he remembered me. It, you know, all the same houses, the bands. The... Is this the beginning of 2013 or the end? I went back in August. Okay. So the middle of 2013. At the end of August. Yeah, exactly. Is when I got back in. And my parents were never going to pay for anything like that again. And I knew that. Mm-hmm. And so I was so happy to be back there. I was... I was so happy. And then I kicked and I was off of dope. I was off of heroin mm-hmm. and not on Suboxone for the first time in years. Mm-hmm. Because the first time I'd been there, I was on Suboxone, which was the problem. And I was fully clean. It was just one of the happiest I've ever been in my entire life. Yeah. Maybe some pride too was in there of like, I'm doing this. Maybe. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe. I mean, I was just really happy. Yeah. I was so happy. I was mm-hmm. so happy. Although I felt like I shouldn't be because I was in rehab and I still felt kind of like a loser. So mm-hmm. I want to put that out there. I, I wish I had known that I was legitimately happy. Like mm-hmm. I remember telling my friend. So I, I I had this group of guy friends that I was really, really close to while I was there. And I remember telling one of them, this is like the happiest I've ever been mm-hmm. in my life, which I know is ridiculous because I'm in this like busted ass little corner shop rehab mm-hmm. and I only just got off heroin. But this is the happiest I feel like I have ever been. Mm-hmm. Like I love you guys. We were all working to get, I was working at a, um, we were tearing up houses that had been flooded. Mm-hmm. So I was doing like manual labor, mm-hmm. um, ripping out boards and uh, I forget what it was called. It was like a flood place. Mm-hmm. Like after there's a flood, you go fix it. It was me and this crew of guys. Yeah. And it was so fun. It was yeah. just the best. But I remember thinking, no, 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 Janine, you can't be that happy you're in rehab. And I, and, and I wish that I had known, no, legitimately, like you can build on this foundation. Mm-hmm. But I thought that it wasn't real if that makes sense, mm-hmm. like, or that it wasn't justified to feel that happy. But I was, it was totally, you know, it was legitimate. Mm-hmm. God love him. Evan was gone. Mm-hmm. And I knew in my heart of hearts that that was best. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking to my first sponsor, not Rachel, but somebody else had sponsored me the first time I was there or this time. And she said, I think God did for you what you were unable to do for yourself. Mm-hmm which is in part of our program speak by removing him from the equation. And I think that that was true. So I was relieved that he was gone. Mm -hmm. I was sad and I missed him. We'd been together for a long time, but I was relieved. So all of these things were happening. I didn't go with my mom. She was going out of town for Christmas Mm -hmm. to visit. I forget where she was going. She's going to Big Bear with Mike. And I didn't go. And she told me later she knew she should have made me. But I I said I wanted to stay. And I was working. I was teaching at a really nice Pilates place in Solana Beach Mm -hmm. and a really nice spin studio in La Jolla. Although it was a three and a half bus hour, bus ride each way to La Jolla from Vista. But I really wanted to be teaching again. Mm -hmm. And so I was teaching spin very far away. And then the Pilates place, it was, you know, it was difficult to get to. But the coaster goes there, so... So I was working, and I think I had to work like around then or something. So I didn't go. One of those good guy friends that I had made had relapsed mm-hmm. and left the program. But we were still in communication. And, like, just texting here and there. And it was Christmas Eve night. Mm-hmm. 
and everybody else had left the program. So I wasn't in residential anymore because I couldn't afford to stay in residential this time. I had sold my Jeep to get one month of residential and then they let me just move into sober living. Normally you have to go there for a little bit longer before they let you stay in sober living, but they knew my circumstances. I'd been there before. They worked with me. They let me move into sober living and they gave me like a grace period to like make rent and pay them back. Mm -hmm. And so I was in that and I had done that and I was working and paying rent. And everybody else that lived in the little, so there was like a little downstairs area with two other girls that were also in sober living. They were obviously with their families at Christmas. And again, looking back, it seems a little funny to me that I chose to stay there alone. But, you know, again, things were going well, whatever. And my parents had just given me, I had lost everything, obviously, while I was using, and I needed a computer to make music for work. Mm -hmm. And my dad, my mom, Mike's son, even, I think my brother, like a bunch of people went in on like a $200 Lenovo laptop for me Mm -hmm. so that I could do music. And it had a CD player, like a DVD player in it. And I was so, I hadn't had anything that was like an electronic thing in a long time. And I loved this little computer. Mm-hmm. And one of the girls that was gone had some DVDs to watch. And while, and so that night, and I don't know what compelled me to choose this movie, but I watched the movie Flight mm-hmm. with Denzel Washington, who's a pilot. And in that movie... I'm assuming most people have seen this movie. It's very old. I don't want to give any spoiler alerts, but spoiler alert on the movie Flight if you've not seen it. I haven't seen it, actually. You, oh, you haven't? And now okay. I want to, okay. but it's okay. Go on. Okay. <laughs> so he's a pilot, mm-hmm. and he he ends up in the hospital. And while he's in there, there is a girl that he meets, and they show her story leading up. She's there because she overdosed. He's there because he was in a plane crash, mm-hmm. and they meet. So they show this, the female character's story leading up to it. She's a heroin addict. Mm-hmm. She goes and gets, you know, she goes and gets some dope. And the guy tells her, "Be careful! Don't shoot this. Smoke this because it's been like killing people." Mm-hmm. She's like, "That's fine. I'm not using needles anymore." Anyway, she goes back home, and the movie shows her in her living room. Mm-hmm. I guess trigger warning here too, if you're listening to this in terms of intravenous use. She is getting out like foil, and she knocks something off her table, and I can still see it. Mm-hmm. A bo- uh, she has like a cigar box on the coffee table and it falls and opens and her rig, her needle falls out mm. and like ting, 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 tinks on the floor and rolls. And she looks at it and snatches it up. And like I was in the movie, mm-hmm. she snatched that needle. I closed that laptop, got up, left the house that night, mm-hmm. 10 o'clock at night on Christmas Eve texted my friend that I knew would come get me, the one that had been using. And by the way, I had about, this is one of the times when I was in the 90-day range. Mm -hmm. I was there. Texted my friend who came and got me immediately, and I used that night, Christmas Eve night. Yeah. Done. Mm -hmm. Yes. Used for a little while and then got caught and they kicked me out. So where I went to when that happened was where my friend was staying, the guy that had used, he was staying in this little like apartment mm-hmm. in Oceanside. This is when you got kicked out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and I'd been going over there daily. So you aren't at the Pilates studio anymore. You are. No, I was. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was. So my intention, so, but I got kicked out of where I was living. So I was using and still making it to work a little bit, but I was missing days, right? I was missing days. And then they finally caught me like a month went by at choices before they caught me. Mm-hmm. But they caught me. Somebody told on me, whatever. I got tested. 
you know, got caught. So they kicked me out. But I did still have my jobs. But I was on thin ice with both of them because I'd only been at them for like two months. I wasn't very established. I was a good instructor as always. Mm-hmm. But this and this is what happened every single time until this time, until this studio. Yeah. So I was doing well. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was still there. Got kicked out of, you know, lost housing. And then I'm trying to go to the gigs homeless and keep them. And then, of course, I end up losing them. You know, this was the, the a constant story for me. So get kicked out of choices. And I went and I had nowhere to go. I did not want my mom to know. So I went to the apartment where the guy that was my friend mm-hmm. was using. And that's where he was staying also. And it was the apartment of this older guy lived there. And he was an addict too. And he had let my friend and his friends start staying there, which was a massive mistake on his part. This guy was in his late 60s, early 70s, and he was not prepared for the invasion that came with these guys moving in and Mm -hmm. deciding that they had a new apartment to stay in. Mm -hmm. And at some point, this older guy did not want them there anymore, and they were not going to leave. And so they were basically like kind of holding him hostage in his own apartment, and he couldn't leave. Mm -hmm. And they wouldn't leave. And that's where I was staying. And I stayed there for... It was about two weeks, and it was the lowest I have ever been in my entire life. It was the most afraid I've ever been in my entire life. And Mm -hmm. those of you guys that follow along with the show and listen, I've had obviously some very low moments. I felt worse, and I was more afraid than when I was in the doghouse, Mm -hmm. than when I was staying in that shed. Mm -hmm. This was worse. And while I was there... And this is partially why it was bad, but I felt this way prior to this happening. So the the older guy whose place it was, we were all using his phone. And I must have called my mom at some point. And I was, there was like a futon mattress kind of on the ground that I was like sleeping. And mm-hmm. also while I was there, like a week in. So the politics of a little like group using like this mm-hmm. is... And I wasn't, so I lost my job while I was there. I couldn't make it to them, either one of them. Mm-hmm. And I got fired from both gigs while I was there, right away, second mm-hmm. day or something. Because I wasn't even really trying to go anymore. I was just full-blown using. Yeah. But I had to pay for stuff. But I'm strung out, so I need heroin every single day. So, and I had done little hustles. I would go pretend I had run out of gas and try to get some cash. But I picked my face so bad mm-hmm. the first few nights that I was there, just like, open wounds all over my whole face. I couldn't even put, like, makeup on it. It would just, like, slide off because it was literally, like, like, if you saw me, you would (gasps) recoil. Mm -hmm. I was picked up so bad. I got a compact with a a light on it somehow, and I would pick my face under the blanket at night because the guys would get really mad if they saw me doing it. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't go steal things or ask for money because I looked like a picked-up junkie. Mm -hmm. So they were just giving me heroin every day for free. Mm. And that does not fly. That's not something that lasts. Yeah. And so after about a week of that, there there was one guy there in particular that I was like really afraid of because my, my friend that brought me there got busted on a parole violation like the day after he brought me there. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even have my connection there anymore. I was just, I was just like this girl staying there with mm-hmm. these guys that were doing like pretty gnarly stuff. Mm-hmm. This is the one, remember my mom was knocking on all the doors and the mm-hmm. guy opened the door and pointed like this mm-hmm. because he was scared. Yep. This is that time. Okay. She'd come there. This is that place. Really scared. I also went out. The one thing I could do is I, I wanted to get six bucks at least and go buy 
needles mm-hmm. for everybody. So I did do that. And while I was gone, when I came back, all of my stuff was in this bag. Mm-hmm. They had stolen my computer. Oh, your Lenovo that yes. you loved. Yeah. And to this day, I think my dad thinks I pawned it. Mm. And it makes me so sad yeah. because I didn't. So but they took it and sold it probably. I'm assuming. Yeah. I'm assuming. But I couldn't do anything. I mm-hmm. came back and it just wasn't in my bag anymore. Mm-hmm. And obviously they were all your it. things put in a bag like it's time for you to go no or? no no no. i just had all my stuff in like a duffel bag oh, okay. that i was living out of and okay. it was in there at the bottom and it was gone when mm-hmm. i came back mm-hmm. and i couldn't bring it up they would have kicked the shit out of me or i yeah. couldn't say anything but it was gone and i was like super you know mm-hmm. and then a few days after that and i've got i've talked about the story briefly here but not at any not at length the one of the guys walked out with the older gentleman's phone, mm-hmm. whose apartment it was that we had just been using, and said, "Hey, who's Jenny?" And I kind of looked up and I said, I, "It's me, Janine." And he mm-hmm. was like, "Yeah, I don't know, I guess." And he threw the phone at me, and I opened it and looked. There was a text, mm-hmm. and it said, "Hi, I'm not sure if my daughter is still there. Her name is Janine, but if she is, will you please tell her that at such and such." time she became an aunt to a baby girl mm-hmm. you know and that was my brother he had a baby my brother and I were not speaking at that time and you know we didn't speak for years after that but like sitting there reading that message mm-hmm. was like a surreal moment of I uh, I can't even believe the level I have sunk to right now how is this happening mm-hmm. like how how is this how I'm finding out about this moment? So so that happened. Also, I was sitting on that same little futon thing, and I speak some Spanish, mm-hmm. which they didn't know. And I was sitting on the little futon thing, and I heard them talking about me. Mm-hmm. Not nice. Mm-hmm. Not good. The future was not good for me. Yeah. No. And the next day, also, 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 I was... I was the worst kind of junkie girl addict mm-hmm. at times. So, like, I couldn't find a vein, so I'd be bleeding everywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, pools of blood on the floor around me, mm-hmm. which grosses everybody out. I would... So, there, there's almost, like, hierarchy of addict behavior, mm-hmm. and I did, like, the lowest of the low. Mm-hmm. Picking. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody wants to be around that. Spilling blood everywhere, not keeping up with my needle, using your stuff, like mm-hmm. just bad. So nobody wanted me there. And what, one of the things that they were saying about me in Spanish was that I had become an extra mouth to feed. I was an extra mouth to feed. And, and I just was like hearing things like that. Mm-hmm. The next day, after I heard them saying that, the guy that I was really afraid of, I don't remember exactly what was happening, but I was coming out of the bathroom and he was talking to me in this really... I can hear it right now. Mm -hmm. I think looking back, he was like a psychopath, like probably a sociopathic guy. He'd Mm -hmm. recently gotten out of prison, like a diagnosed sociopath potentially. Mm -hmm. And he was talking to me in this really calm, clipped tone like this. It was weird. Mm -hmm. And he was like, so Palomita, which is what they'd call me, he was like, what are you doing today? It was just weird. Mm -hmm. And I got this gut feeling that I've never gotten in all the years that I was using. I was like, this... This fool's going to kill me. Mm-hmm. Like, they're, these guys are going to kill me today. Or something's going to happen to mm-hmm. me today. 
And I walked back and I got a hold of that phone, went in the bathroom, called my mom and, I, and said, hey, I, I, I need to leave here right now, right now. And like how she, when she was on the episode, she said, are you going to detox? Do you come home and pee? And I was like, yes, mm-hmm. uh-huh. yes. And mm-hmm. I did. I didn't bring anything with me. And she could just, she said she could just hear it in my voice. Mm -hmm. She was on her way to work or something. And she was like, I will be right there. And I don't know how my mother got, she got there in like six minutes. Mm -hmm. And I grabbed my stuff, walked out. And the guy was like, you're coming back, right? And I was like, yep, uh uh-huh. I'll be right back. And I fucking ran out of there and like ran down the street and got to more like a public area. Mm -hmm. And my mom came and picked me up that second. And I left. Yes. So I left, went to my mom's house. Kicked a little on her couch. This is actually how I ended up at the, the women's program. Mm-hmm. I stayed at her house for a little while, went to another free detox, blah, 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 blah. So this wasn't even the last time that I used mm-hmm. was in that moment because I relapsed later. This was actually in 2014 that this happened. Early 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is not when I quit using. Early 2014 is when I was at the house. So lowest time in my life. Scaredest, I've, most afraid I've ever been in my entire life. So a few things that I want to talk about from that. One is last week Mm -hmm. I flew to, or a few weeks ago, I was flown to Atlanta Mm -hmm. and I shared that story with my brother present in the audience. Mm -hmm. And my brother and I's relationship is not perfect, but it is not what it was that day. And that day I would never have thought that I was ever going to be in his life again or you know, I, I just, I never would have envisioned that that would have elevated, that that situation would have even slightly turned around for me and my brother. Mm-hmm. But more than that, and this is mainly what I want to share about today. I struggle with so much, and you guys maybe have gotten an indication of this over some of the things that I've said. I really struggle a lot with feeling like a failure mm-hmm. as it pertains to my studio. I'm proud of my studio, mm-hmm. but I have never felt... I'm just being really vulnerable here and really honest because some clients listen. But I have never felt like more of a failure in my life Mm -hmm. than the last two years as it comes to running the studio. Mm -hmm. I just, I feel every day that I'm not doing this thing right and that I'm not doing a good job. Mm -hmm. And I'm in fear daily about the studio. Yes, which you know, which I've shared with you Mm -hmm. every single day. Prior to covid Mm-hmm. During COVID, not that COVID's over, but prior to COVID, I felt this way too. And it gets the best of me sometimes. And earlier this week, it did. Mm-hmm. Some numbers were really low. And on top of that, I was editing an episode for the podcast and going crazy about it mm-hmm. and just freaking out, like losing my shit, really yeah. down, really depressed, really scared. Mm-hmm. And we happened to talk. I think I called you because I wanted your help with the, like, I wanted to talk some things out with you over the show. And then I ended up crying and going on and on and on about the studio, which is often what happens. And you guys see one side of me on the show, which is like, you know, I'm, I'm typically sort of prepared for whatever we're talking about. But like my day to day, you know, has been kind of this state where, you know, like I'm in fear and I'm in anxiety. So yesterday we've talked about doing this plunge thing. And which is the breath work and then the the cold plunge, the place that we go to. Zach was talking about it in his episode too. Mm-hmm. So I went and did that yesterday. And while I was doing the breath work, which is very meditative and like spiritual in nature, like the experiences that you can have, I I often think of in those moments, 
I'm often projected into moments of my using. Mm -hmm. One in particular, which is there was a night when I was, we were riding around on our bikes all night, me Mm -hmm. and Evan. Mm -hmm. And I was, I've been to, I went to Paris once with a a different boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And obviously, (laughs) didn't go with Evan. (laughs) And I was telling Evan stories about Paris Mm. the whole night while we were riding around on bikes, which involved my other boyfriend, mm-hmm. but we were so loaded, he didn't care. And I was just like regaling him with these stories of when I'd been in France as two homeless people on bikes. Mm-hmm. And it was so sad. Mm. In the moment I was like, yeah, and then we did this and then we did that. And he was like, cool, cool. I want to go somewhere. And I'm like, yeah, we should, mm-hmm. you know? But, and that night I don't think I was that sad, but for some reason when I do the breath work, I'm like on that bike Mm. talking to him. Mm -hmm. That's the memory that comes up for me. And I'll get like teary eyed because I'm so grateful that, that I'm not there anymore. But like, that's the memory that comes up for me a lot. And I don't know like what that's about. Cause it wasn't even a bad night. I was Mm -hmm. safe with him and you know, we had dope on us or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. like by drug addict standards, it wasn't a bad night, Mm -hmm. but that's the night that comes up for me a lot and strikes me as just how different my life is now. Mm -hmm. But Yesterday, I was also thinking about that time at that apartment. And I had this vision of myself sitting on the couch when I could hear them talking about me in particular. Mm-hmm. I feel it in my, I, it was like a cold pit. Mm-hmm. I've never thought somebody was going to kill me. Before. Uh, that's not true. Another time I thought somebody was going to kill me. Same, but not really. Mm-hmm. I kind of, I thought, I thought maybe he was going to kill I wasn't sure. This day, I thought those, the, uh, these guys are going to kill me. Mm-hmm. And so while I was doing this meditation, I pictured myself, current me, coming down from the ceiling of that apartment with a hand extended mm. because I was I I I was so alone and I felt very powerless. Mm-hmm. I couldn't leave because I would be sick. I couldn't leave and I had nowhere to go. Mm. They were giving me drugs. Also I'd lost the computer and I think I had some hope that they would give it back. And I was like stuck to that Mm -hmm. futon couch thing, stuck. Julia said that in her last, she was like stuck to a mattress kicking Xanax. Mm -hmm. I felt stuck to that spot. I didn't leave it for days at a time and and I would just shoot up. Mm -hmm. And I saw me reaching down to me me stuck Mm -hmm. saying, okay, you can leave, but you got to get up Mm -hmm. and walk out this door. I'm curious when you look back and you were picturing that when you were at the plunge thing yesterday when you reach your hand out is it adult janine or a little little girl oh that's an interesting question adult me okay is that why you just got teary-eyed i just would picture like you're trying to take take care of like a helpless janine who's a little girl i'll cut off (laughs) Side note, outside of this camp, it was so sad. It was, like, so awful. Mm-hmm. It was so awful. Like, yeah. oh, my God. I'm not going to take all this out, but, yeah. like, between you and me, holy shit. Like, yeah, it's scary. Ugh, thinking about it right now is crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, my God. It was the worst I've ever felt. I don't yeah. know why. I don't know what about those moments made it so terrifying. Well, it's, it's scary, and you felt... Feeling stuck is really scary. Right. Feeling stuck. Not um, seeing okay. a way out is scary. Yeah, so. exactly. No, me like laying on the floor, me. Like mm-hmm. the the me you see right now. 
reaching to that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's an interesting question. But no, current me to that me. Yeah. To the picked up junkie me. Mm-hmm. And saying, you can leave, but you got to you gotta actually leave, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you can leave. You can get up. You can put one foot in front of the other. You can open that door and you can walk outside. You can do that. Mm-hmm. And then I had this sudden crazy realization yesterday that I actually feel, and I felt this week, mm-hmm. as trapped mm-hmm. and down as I did in that shitty trap apartment. Yeah. Yes. That's how low I was about the studio this mm-hmm. week. And I thought, well, sh- I'm not free then. Mm-hmm. I'm not really free, actually. The difference is now it's a crack house of my own making. Mm-hmm through fear it's it's not a real construct same feeling of fear it's the same feeling Mm -hmm. but i'm creating it with my own mental construct and i just realized i can stop that mental construct if Mm -hmm. i want Mm -hmm. just like i could get up and leave that day like i can get up and leave now Mm -hmm. like i don't have to live in this misery Mm -hmm. because and and I and I kind of have the tools to get there, and I share them on this show with other people. But I need to also, you know, employ them a little bit more myself. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I just shared last week on like one of my TikToks is feeling that way. Typically, what's happening is someone is in expectation mm-hmm. and not in appreciation, and that's a place I live in a lot with the studio. Right. Like we just had our massive party Mm -hmm. the weekend before. And there were a lot of people out there that went off without a hitch. It went really well. Mm -hmm. Like and and so basically what I'm sharing is a few things. One. So like if I stop, if I get really present Mm -hmm. day to day, like I was telling Kim this before we started. Like we're fine. Right. We're in the studio as I speak recording. Mm -hmm. So. It's all future projected fear. I heard, do you know Anne Lamont, the author, Anne mm. Lamont? Mm-mm. I heard her interviewed recently, and there are all these irritating acronyms in mm-hmm. AA mm-hmm. that I can't stand. One, or, okay, specifically the acronym for the acronyms that they use for fear, I think are so lame and stupid. Mm-hmm. But she gave one. She's in recovery also. I heard her on a non-recovery podcast, but she's in recovery. She gave an acronym for fear that I actually really loved, which was future events already ruined. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's that's where I live. Mm-hmm. That's the space that I live in. And I just wanted to share that because that was a big moment of, of realization for me. For one thing, this is something that I need to look at. If, mm-hmm. if in my day to day, I still feel like I'm stuck in a crack house, my emotional state, because what's where we live emotionally is what our life is. Mm. And if I'm living in fear, like that's the quality of my life. Yeah. Right. And this is something that you and I is like, you've, you know, we've talked about this in our personal lives for a long time. Mm-hmm. Right. But like, so meditation is what got me to see that though. Mm-hmm. And meditation and going to that plunge place is a direct result of being in recovery. Mm-hmm. So it's just another gift of recovery, I think. As yeah. I, I'm just really grateful that even though I'm not totally out of it yet, but I at least I was able to get there intellectually mm-hmm. and I'm gonna try to take action to like execute on that. And I also want to share with people too that like, you know, 
things aren't, I don't know. They don't get, I, I don't like when people say, they're like, it's not all unicorn and rose. Everybody says the same thing. Mm-hmm. After you get sober, it's not all unicorn and something else. It's it's like a phrase people say. Sunshine and rainbows. Yeah, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. Exactly. <laughs> and I don't like when people say that. Yeah. Because it is sunshine and ro- ro- uh, rainbows, mm-hmm. comparatively speaking. Mm-hmm. Of course it is. And I think that when you say that, you're going to give newcomers the wrong idea. Mm-hmm. And be like, well, then why would I even do it? We know what we mean after a few years, which means now you have to pay your taxes. Right. And bullshit like that. <laughs> but like, come on. Yeah. It's very different than sharing needles with homeless people under mm-hmm. bridges. Like, let's not yeah. dress this down. Well, fear is, is really paralyzing for people, right? Because it's that idea of like, I'm so terrified. I don't. I don't know what to do. If I do this, this could happen. If I do that, that could happen. So it's that future, we're projecting ourselves into the future of like, well, what should I do? And it's really scary. And so with meditation or mindfulness, a lot of the goal is to be really present. So if we're present, we're not acting out anxiously, fearful about the future, reminiscing about, not reminiscing, but like, really getting stuck about the past and beating ourselves up for decisions we made when we're mindful and present during meditation, it's kind of freeing you from all that paralyzing fear, even if it's only for, I don't know how long the plunge is, 30, 45 minutes. Right. I mean, even if it's for five minutes, like that's why they show being more mindful and doing meditation actually has a huge effect on people's happiness. Living in fear we feel happy. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And where you live emotionally is where you live. Mm-hmm. It's the quality of your life. Which, by the way, side note, I was thinking he didn't know your name. Like, how terrifying. You're, like, staying in a house. People don't even know each other's names in there. Right. Like, it's... I know that seems like... who cares? I don't know. It just seems, like, terrifying. Maybe that added you're to it. You're staying under a roof with someone who's, like, who's Jenny or who's Janine or who... Right. And you're, like, are you talking about me? Like... Right. Well, I think also it just solidified how worthless I felt. Mm. I am so They don't even know your name. Worthless. Yeah. I'm just a body lying here that mm-hmm. also can't can't produce any work. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think it just emphasized yeah, yeah just useless, mm-hmm. worthless. I don't even know who I am. Yeah. Also, I f- forgot about this till right now. <laughs> I remember telling someone something came up and I told one of the guys that mm-hmm. I taught yoga mm-hmm. and fitness. Mm-hmm. And the guy just like died laughing. Mm. And he was like, that's a fucking good one. Mm. And, I, and I was like, no, I'm, I'm serious. I, that's what I do. Mm-hmm. I do do that. I do do that. Yeah. And the guy was like, you don't fucking do that. Look at you. You're mm-hmm. a fucking, you're a, f- I mean, he was like, you're a dumb little junkie. Mm-hmm. You don't do that. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't even being mean. He was serious. Mm. And it was very, you know. Yeah. A yeah. stark contrast. Yeah. It was because it was I, I, something about also being accused of not really teaching, mm-hmm. I think, was which was kind of your like, it's which my whole thing. Your joy and, yeah. Yeah. It's my whole life is teaching, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like. One of the saddest times of my addiction is thinking, not even, oh, I might get hep C or I could mm-hmm. get brutalized out here. I could get raped or hurt. The The moments I remember the, being the most sad mm-hmm. was I would get on someone's phone if I got a hold of a phone with internet 
and I would go on Craigslist and mm-hmm. I would look at people hiring spin teachers. Yeah. And I would think, oh my God, I don't think I'm ever going to do that again. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm ever going to teach again. That was actually the saddest mm-hmm. I think I ever felt while I was using was mm-hmm. that I was never going to be on a bike again, guiding people through a class. Like, yeah. it, but you know what? Okay. So that's why, that's why though, it is a construct of my own making mm-hmm. to tell myself that though I get to wake up and do every single day what I love to do, which mm-hmm. so many people don't get to do that. I am still creating a net of misery. How mm-hmm. does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It's just something I really need to work on yeah. because day to day, my life is, is exactly what I want it to be. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I do what I love every single day, yep. yet I am, I have constructed this box of abject terror around mm-hmm. it. And I guess I'm also just sharing it, you know, it feels a little, you know, the idea of the show is that you guys are getting answers, mm-hmm. but, you know, maybe I don't have an answer on this other than... I'm, this is something I still need to work on, which I'm in commit to doing by, you know, I work on it every day, like by trying to get into appreciation rather than expectation. I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm trying to do that daily, you know? Well, and that's good because it isn't, it is an internal thing. Do you know what I mean? Like you said, it's your mindset. It's, would it be amazing if every class was sold out 1000%? Right. But then we just keep, we're going to keep waiting for those external things and it's going to be. Well, only 90% of my classes are sold out. Right. Do you know what I mean? And it becomes yes. that thing of the gratitude of, sweet, the party was amazing. Like, it was a really good turnout. The music was great. Like, all of those things. We got a, a couple of new members from it, whatever it looks like. Right. And so it's totally an internal thing. It's totally an internal thing, which is which is why between the two, obviously, I would choose this one mm-hmm. all the time, every day. That was an external mm-hmm. I, you know, those circumstances were legitimately bad, yeah. but the process was the same, mm-hmm. which is just getting up and leaving. Mm. Like I, I, I could walk out the door. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I could walk out of the misery that I'm in right now. I could, Yeah. you know, I can choose. And this is something Skylar is really good at. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. He's so much better at this than I am. Mm. He can do that. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Uh huh. And I think that's why we're good partners for each other. Yeah. But he's much better at that than I am. I was saying though too is like so you're in this place they don't even know your name you feel worthless you're terrified um all of these things that are like not great for anybody's self-confidence motivation to get out and leave and then you get this text so I was thinking of how a couple weeks ago when you're at this conference and your brother shows up yeah completely different relationship it's not perfect like you said but totally different than not even knowing he had a daughter, right? right? To being able to, it's almost like a full circle moment of like telling him, this is how I found out about your daughter. Um, This is where we are now working on a relationship. This is how I live my life now. And it, it feels like you're stuck in a lot of the same mindset or feelings, but it's actually completely different. For my life currently. For your life currently. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I'm stuck in those feelings, even though the external construct is different, Mm -hmm. you know, but again, that being in my, you know, that being in my hands, Mm -hmm. but he, I wonder if you can, next time you go to the plunge, um, picture yourself again, reaching out the hand, but to Janine now of like, I'm going to pull you out of this mindset or I'm going to pull you into something different. 
that might That's be a, good a different idea. experience. You I know? will I will plant that. I, I before I do it every time, mm-hmm. I try to pick something. Again, though, this is so like me and Skylar. Mm-hmm. I ask him mm-hmm. afterwards. I'm like, "What did you like go in there looking to do?" <laughs> and he's like, "Just be chill and you know be there." I'm like, right. And you're like, damn it. And I'm like, shit, that's what you're supposed to do. That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. And I go in every, although actually, okay. In my defense, often Mm -hmm. you go into meditations with an intention of Mm -hmm. some sort. So I'll just make that my intention next Mm -hmm. time. I think that's a good idea. I'll try to do that. And maybe we can follow up on the next episode. I'll let you know how I felt. I'm probably going tomorrow. Yeah. The stark contrast too of like, you're riding around on a bike. You don't have a car. You're homeless. Right. So... There's so many things of like, there's all this progress that's been made. And sometimes I think you, I don't think you've forgotten, but it's not the focus. And so it's hard to be really happy when you don't realize you were staying on a futon. Your most prized possession was this computer your family had pitched in. And when it got stolen, it was horrible to like you owning a a studio and being married to this really amazing human. And he knows how amazing you are. And you have all of these people clients and friends that are surrounding you and really admire all the things that you've done. But sometimes it's hard to like see through the weeds. It feels like there's this and there's that and they're both shitty. Right. And I don't think that you think everything is shitty. No. But that idea of like there's so much resilience and progress in your life that it's pretty mind-blowing. And I don't think you always maybe realize that. Maybe not. So how do I realize it more? (laughs) I mean, is this the the key to life? How how do I get – how do I see that more? Or just – acknowledge it and try um i think acknowledging is is part of it but doing these things that you're doing for your recovery are helpful for anybody even not in recovery the meditation the mindfulness the being present the actually like these new experiences yeah you've made it a part of your life this plunge thing but had you done it before like new experiences show us that we're capable of things that things can be fun that things can be scary but then they're actually helpful and so all of those things help us be more present help us have gratitude and I just think that all of those things help people's happiness yeah that's a, that's a good point what you just said about new experiences because you know I don't do a lot of that neither do I so I'm speaking from oh, like you kind of do you were just out of town last weekend you do cool shit all the time I do cool shit but it's not um it's not necessarily unf- it's familiar it's not yeah it's very it familiar Alex my husband is very good about those things he's um let's do this and I I live a lot of times out of fear of like, I don't want to do that. Right. I've never done that. We went to, um, this is so weird. I still remember this. A couple years ago, we went to Chicago and it was winter. And, you know, the that big bean, the Chicago the yeah. Millennium, in Millennium Park, there's ice skating right by it. He's like, we should ice skate. I'm like, I, I can't ice skate. He's like, when are we ever going to get to ice skate again in the winter in Chicago? You guys, I still think about it. I didn't do it. You didn't? Did not do it. And I was did like, he? I don't want to do it. No. Did you go and he did? Oh, y'all just I was both like, I don't want to okay, do okay, it. Okay. I've tried to ice skate before. I'm not good at it. My ankle, I always say my ankles aren't strong enough. Like all of these things came up for me. But here I am three, four years later. Like right. what a cool experience. It. We could have laughed that like I couldn't stand up, but at least I would have like done it and right. done something out of my comfort zone. Right. Because when I do those things, I actually do feel better even if I wasn't good at it. Right. Like, oh, cool, I tried it or I can try it again. or, But it, I get stuck in the fear of I'm not going to be good at it. Well, of course I'm not going to be good at it. Right. I've never done it. Right. So instead of this is going to be a cool new experience, that's, the, that's what would be helpful to focus on. We sometimes will focus on I'm not going to be good at it. They're going to laugh at me. And, and in all honesty, like... Alex is the safest person to try anything with because he's like non-judgmental and he's a coach. So he's like yeah. really encouraging. 
Um, but I get stuck in my own head about, I don't want to do this kind of thing. I get stuck in a space of, I don't have time. Mm. I don't have time. Mm-hmm. I, you know that. I don't have time. I mm-hmm. can't leave the studio. Yeah. I can't not do this. Mm-hmm. You know, that's yeah. kind of my thing. But yeah. the end result is the same. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe I need to try to focus on that then. Yeah. Okay, so you said this did become kind of a therapy. You began this by saying you're not a therapist on the show. I am a therapist by trade. Um, and my curiosity level is very high for people. Right. Always. I think it always has been. Um so I ask questions that other people may not ask of other people, which gets people talking. Yes. I had a woman in my complex crying to me the other day about her dog passing. Oh, we talked for like a half an hour. Aww. I was like, how did, does this happen to other people? Where like you get in a conversation and someone's like, I don't know why I'm telling you all this. That happens to me all the time. Oh, interesting. And so it's not like I'm trying to get stuff out of people, but the questions it I just ask naturally happens. is because that's what I'm curious about. Right. So... I'm not trying to do therapy. I know. But I think by nature and a little bit by training, I'm therapeutic. Right. So. Right. Um, so, what's your, so, so what's your prescription? I need to do some new things. <laughs> my prescription is um, trying to have, I don't even want to say like future Janine. Janine that is present and loving and kind to herself. Pull Janine out of the, I'm stuck in this place of I feel like a failure right again like I I just like that metaphor that you were seeing of like holding your hand out yeah. is so I can like picture it in my head yeah and that's why when I was asking Janine about if she was doing it with little girl Janine or herself it's because I was closing my eyes like trying to picture what she was picturing so I was trying to get like her picture right in my head right um because in my head it was a little girl oh, interesting. <laughs> um so I think like reaching your hand out to yourself, um, being more present, trying new things is you might find something you really like. Right. And we get stuck in the, oh, I don't have time. I don't have this. I don't. But doing those things will actually help you in the things that you need or want to progress in. Right. No, I'm sure they will because I'm sure I've lost a little creativity and inspiration because I'm so kind of feeling like bogged down mm-hmm. with work, you know, yeah. with the show being back in production plus the studio, you know, it's a lot of mm-hmm. stuff. So I'm sure it's a it, lot. Yeah. So, and I, I mean, I think you're probably a, not to compare much better at this than I am. So I'm just speaking more from like what people show has studies have shown is helpful is, is gratitude. It's so, so, so important right. because then, when we're grateful, we're, we're again, we're present, we're in the moment, we're able to like it's see. It's also, I've heard somebody say this, it's impossible to be stressed out and grateful at the same time. Mm. And I believe that. Like, for example, say I'm getting stressed out about the podcast. Mm-hmm. If I get grateful though, like, man, I get, I get messages from people every single day on Instagram and TikTok being like, hey, thanks for saying this. Like, mm-hmm. I feel better about this. I feel better about that. I'm really happy that that's happening. Yeah. That was my whole goal. Right. If I get into the gratitude of that, then even though the facts don't change that maybe I'm busy and I'm doing some last minute editing, but I'm, I'm not as stressed out about it because I'm grateful for the end. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I, I know that that process works. I think it's just for me constantly trying to like, you know, find that balance. Yep. So what do you feel like you learned from those two weeks or when you relapse, like anything from that whole time period? I did, which is that... And I want to do a whole, I will do an entire solo cast about this. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants 
a, an easier way to detox. Mm. And there isn't one. Mm-hmm. There's just not one. You just have to walk right through that fire. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I was staying there because I didn't want to be sick. Mm-hmm. And they were at least giving me heroin. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. A little bit. Enough for me to stay well. Yeah. And maybe they assumed that my face would get better and I could work. You know, I don't mm-hmm. know. I could go, you know, get money. But I had to just get up and leave and go kick at my mother's house. Yep. Yes. And there's no... And, and and I think that that's been a resounding lesson that I that all opiate addicts eventually have to learn. Yeah. We are all looking for an easier. That that's ninety percent of the questions that I get. Well, the fear was paralyzing again. Of, right, I've been sick. I've, I've kicked before, sick. and it is horrendous. Yes, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that right now. Mm-hmm. But the the pain mm-hmm. of kicking it pales in comparison. Is nowhere near the the fear I was feeling in that place, mm-hmm. you know, nowhere near. Well, it eventually overcame it, right? Of like, yes, I got to get out. Yeah, I left that day. Yes, yeah. I left that day. So uh, the fear motivated you slightly. In Propel- that moment, propelled you into a change. In the in the in the mo- some and and I don't I don't know why. Well, the fear became greater of you getting killed or something right. really horrible something happening really to you. Happening. So it was like, I got to pick the the. What, the lesser of two evils. I guess but I'll see, pick this. But that's the piece of the addict that I think I, I'm trying to always get in touch with and that mm-hmm. I believe is there. There had to have been a part of me that believed I should live and that I could live and that I could be a clean person. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I would just stay there to get murdered. Right. So. Some sort of your Yeah. And I think yeah. that every addict, no matter how far down you are, there is, it's like what my mom was saying that day. You can't tell me mm-hmm. that this is the only thing that they would want to be doing. No, yeah. that is not true. There is a dream down in there of teaching again, or there is a dream down in there of surfing again, or mm-hmm. there is a dream down in there of being yeah. a nurse or whatever it is. And like, that's still in there. And in that moment, that little piece of me, when you got to get out of here, mm-hmm. if you do want to do any of those things again, you need to leave right now. Yeah. You know, and maybe you'll never be able to pinpoint. It could be a compilation of like him being like, "You are not an instructor." Yeah, Have you being like, "Yes, I am." Yeah, that's like my joy and my that love. Hurt. That sucked. Yeah, when that happened. Yeah, uh huh. My mom thinks it was because she texted me about my brother. Mm. She said, and for, and because I, but that was like early on. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Cool. I stayed another two weeks. That was right. like the third night. Well, some. So some I always thought it take wasn't a little that. bit to to marinate with us right before we make right. like I said it could have been a bunch of things right. little tiny things not that the baby was a tiny thing but all of these smaller things to like okay that is going to propel me and or I'm going to die and I'm not meant to die this way right yeah not today yeah you know I think it's also the compilation of things is why it's gone in the vault mm-hmm. as so such a degrading time right even though it wasn't actually the most Mm-hmm. That was pretty bad. Well, I had a big abscess bad. on my stomach. I couldn't walk. Oh, yeah. that's the other reason. I forgot about that. There was a bunch of bad shit going yeah. on. There was an abscess. That's the tattoo that I have is mm-hmm. covering the scar. Yeah. There was an abscess that had gotten so deep. It was in my like abs mm-hmm. and I couldn't lift my left leg. Mm-hmm. I couldn't walk with it. Mm-hmm. So to get up the stairs, I had to step up with my right foot, mm-hmm. drive into my right leg, dragging my left leg behind me. Yeah. It's crazy or what? Yeah. So physical. Yeah barriers also do you want to do like a tip for someone newly in recovery or something that you've been doing that's been helpful in your recovery currently or what do you think would be helpful to share you know what my dad said this to me last week 
I called my dad earlier this week and I was freaking out about all the things I was talking to you about too. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I feel like a failure every day, man. And I know that I'm not, I know you're going to think it's crazy that I even said that, but like, that is how I feel about the studio. And he said, and I kept saying, it's just not where I want it. It's not where I want it. It's not where Mm -hmm. I want it. And he was like, okay, so what I'm hearing you say over and over and over again mm-hmm. is that it's not what you want mm-hmm. and you need to do like your step one, two, three about the studio also because you're not in control. Mm-hmm. You can take all the action, but you're not in control. Mm-hmm. And he's right. And the steps can be applied to current situations seven years later. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how my dad thought to say that to me because he's not in recovery. Yep. He's read the big book for whatever reason. He's a well-read, you know. Yeah. It, Maybe because his daughter's an addict. He read it before that. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's, he'd already read the AA book at some oh. point when I like started going to meetings. He was like, oh, yeah, I read that thing once. No big deal. It's a brilliant man, my father. <laughs> Take He's the, a pilot, too. He's also a pilot. He's an American hero. And he was in a band. And he played at Florida State. (laughs) (laughs) I hope Lauren never listens to this episode. She'll throw up in her mouth while she's driving. My father's an American hero. (laughs) Anyways, um, I don't know why he thought to say that to me, but it worked and it was true. So Mm -hmm. like for you guys, the listener, you know, like the steps always, they can be applied to current life. Here Mm -hmm. I am seven years later and I can absolutely work a step one, two, three on what's happening, Mm -hmm. which is he means is this we can put the action in mm-hmm. but then stressing out about the results mm-hmm. is not helpful and we can't do anything about it right that's what he means so it's not oh i'm powerless i'm not going to do any work or market the studio that's not what he means and and i right and that's the whole point of right. step work i'm gonna make my music the best i can make sure i have the best instructors here make sure the desk is informed and equipped to sell things and all that stuff that's all that i can do mm-hmm. and he was like you're stuck in the control of the outcome too and that's right. just not going to work and you can use your program knowledge and apply it here too mm-hmm. so that's that's what i would maybe suggest to somebody else listening because not all of our listeners are in early recovery or even in recovery mm-hmm. right but yeah I, the steps can be applied to any current situation in life and i forget that sometimes so i'm, I'm glad that my dad reminded me of that so thanks janine for being vulnerable it's not always easy thanks it's actually usually 99% of the time, really, really hard. You know what's, what was harder? Because uh, it's current. Mm-hmm. I'll talk to you all day about living in that shed. Yeah, but it's It's not it's easy, but hard. I'll do it. Yes, yeah. of course. But like, it's really, I don't, I'm also afraid to not be the voice of solution. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If that's why someone's listening. Yeah. <laughs> but you're I, also a human. Because I don't know, I struggled this week, big yeah. time. Um, so. Yes. Please review, subscribe. Most importantly, subscribe and follow us on our social media stuff. Yes. On TikTok and Instagram. Yes. At Chasing Heroin. At Chasing Heroin. Heroin with an E. Heroin with an E. Listen to the solo cast about why we have come up with, Janine came up with it. Thank you guys so much for listening. And as you guys have heard me do this sometimes, sometimes when I'm editing episodes, I hear things and I, and I notice things and I think, you know what, I don't, I need to like tie this, tie up this loose end or, or circle back to this. And today's episode was definitely one of those episodes. So the first thing I want to do is 
I want to address the, when I talked about the trigger for the relapse, when I was watching the movie and I saw the, you know, the, the syringe and it caused me to relapse. So I don't want anybody to walk away from this thinking like, oh my God, I should never watch another movie again or subject myself to something that might have a depiction of drug use. And that's not true. That wouldn't happen to me now. And I think it's important to share why I was so susceptible to that at that time. And here's why. For one, it was Christmas Eve, which is an emotionally charged time for most people. And I was isolating myself. Not only did I have the opportunity to go with my mom somewhere, even if she hadn't been here or didn't live near me, there were other people in that sober living that were upstairs hanging out together. And I chose to isolate myself and stay downstairs, which was my first error in terms of trying to protect my recovery. And then the reason why that would be particularly challenging and and again, leave me vulnerable. I was also in a relationship that I should not have been in. And this is one of the reasons why they suggest waiting. I only had a few months and I was not in a place yet where I could handle the emotions. And I'm not saying everybody is like this, but for me, I really kind of learned my lesson on this and the next, my next attempt at sobriety, I I waited a long time before I decided to start seeing somebody again. So I was in a relationship that I shouldn't have been in for a variety of reasons. It, It was crossing some like ethical boundaries as well. And it just wasn't like morally a sound choice. And it left me open to this sadness. So now that wouldn't that that wouldn't happen with me now. I can see something, you know, depiction of a drug axe and I don't feel like using. I've tended to my spiritual foundation a little bit more than that. So I don't want anybody to hear that and think like, oh my God, you know, like that's that's not typical if if the program is 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 solid in your life. I wasn't working an honest program at that time based on this relationship that I was involved in. And that's one of the other reasons why they say, you know, you really have to kind of like live the principles for the program to be of most value to you. And then secondly, okay, so Kim and I recorded on Sunday. Right now is Wednesday, I'm editing. And Sunday I was feeling super down from the week prior. And then I had a few days to talk about like what she had said and I didn't want to let this episode go to air without some follow-up to what I've done over the next few days because, and sometimes I forget this and I need to be reminded of this, the reason why I love 12-step in particular is it's a design for living that is available to all past your initial sobriety. So it's not just there for the first six months or the first year while you're struggling. These principles and this outline can be applied at any point in time. And sometimes, you know, I forget that. And it was actually my dad that reminded me by saying like, why don't you apply the first three steps to your business now? And I remember, and I thought like, oh yeah, obviously, like I need to get back to, I need to get back to the classic program. So on page 52 of the big book, there is a list that in AA is known as the bedevilments. They're outlined as the bedevilments. And it's a checklist for you to check in with your spiritual condition. And this is the checklist. Are we having trouble with personal relationships? Are we unable to control our emotional natures? Prone to misery and depression? Can't make a living? Feelings of uselessness, fear, and unhappiness. And those are the list of bedevilments. And... If one or more of those are plaguing you, it could be possible that your spiritual life could use a little bit of a boost. And then the cool thing about this is the AA program is designed to give you some solution to that checklist. 
So I got into the solution and this is what I did. I did go back to plunge the next day, which has become my form of meditation. And I did what Kim suggested. I actually thought about like current me reaching out to help current me and say like, you know, you can step out of this. You can get up and you can walk out of this room, this construct of your own making that's negativity and fear. And what happened was the serenity prayer kind of floated into my mind. And I thought, oh, duh. The serenity prayer is really what I need now, which is, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And in practice, what the serenity prayer is, is the first three steps. So just briefly, for those of you that aren't in the program, step one is admitting that we're powerless. Step two is admitting that we believe in a universal benevolent force or God or a higher power. Step three is having enough faith in that benevolent force to say, sure, I trust you. I'm going to turn over the management of X, Y, and Z to you. So in recovery, what that looks like is I am powerless over drugs and alcohol. I believe that there is a God benevolent force out there that is that is working for my good. And step three is I'm going to ask for help from that, from that source. So I'm going to apply steps one, two, and three. What would that look like in practice for my business? So step one is I really am powerless over the outcome. I can do what I can on my part in terms of, like I mentioned briefly in the podcast, setting up the girls so that they're equipped to teach, you know, the highest quality classes that I can well, as welcoming as we can be. But like, you know, whether or not people actually like come in and what that translates to, a lot of that stuff is largely out of my control. All I can do is take action on it. Step two is, do I believe though, again, that there's that benevolent force that is pulling for my good? And not only, and to be honest, not only do I believe that, it is very, very clear to me that I was supposed to, in fact, you know, run this studio. Like it was so faded. It's, it's a long story, but it was super faded how it ended up in my hands. So step three, what that would look like is not stressing over whether or not I'm going to be able to make it or like make ends meet or constantly in fear that next month something is going to tank or the month after that something is going to tank or there's going to be another shutdown or, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's literally just getting out of that fear because I have the step two belief that there is a God working for my good. So that's what that would look like in practice with my business. So in my desperate attempt to understand life, I get out of the experience of life. And so what I want to try to do is commit to not understanding and controlling, but experiencing by being a little bit more present in the moment. So, you know, people do sober October. Obviously I can't, I'm not going to do sober October. I'm already sober, but I want to do something that would be like sober October for me. So this is what I'm going to do. And I'm sharing it with you guys. I'm pledging it to you guys. So, so you guys know, and you can hold me accountable. With the podcast in particular, because I was I was freaking out about both the podcast and the studio, actually. With the podcast, I want to get back into the experience of just recording and putting out, hopefully, helpful content. So starting with this episode, I am going to not check the analytics of this podcast or any other episode for the next four weeks, beginning when you guys hear this on Thursday. So for four weeks, I'm going to step back from that and really try to put into action everything that I just described, which is experiencing just the process and putting it out there and trusting that the results will be handled and the right thing will happen. That's the way that I'm going to try to put these things into practice because I really did feel better 
after I thought about all this stuff. And I never want to leave you guys without, like, I, I don't want to introduce an issue and then leave you without what I ended up doing. The whole, you know, the whole purpose of the show is that either myself or other addict alcoholics share challenging experiences, but then more importantly, what we did to manage those challenges. So what I came up with over the next few days that was based in the program has definitely made me feel better. And I would also really love to hear from you guys. If there's anything that y'all want to do for a sober October for yourselves that isn't necessarily alcohol related, it could be if you're not in recovery, it could be if that's something you want to try. Or maybe it's your, you know, maybe you're trying to lose weight, but instead of like getting on the scale for the next four weeks, why don't you just experience working out and how that feels and eating in a way that makes you feel healthy and kind of step back from like the analytics and the measurements or, you know, whatever else comes to you. The other one I thought about doing is putting my phone away at like 6 p.m. Just something that I know is going to allow me to get out of my head and a little bit more into the present moment. My power is in my presence. And that's when I feel the happiest. That's when I feel the most alive. And and that's when I'm really able to help others the most. So I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. I would love to hear from you if you choose to take me up and take on one of those challenges yourselves. And I hope you guys are doing great. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 